Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. Hey everybody, this is Kyle V, host of the Ozark Podcast. If you like the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast, we have a show for you. We sit down with local outdoorsmen of Arkansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma to talk all things hunting, fishing, conservation, history, and culture in the Ozark Mountains region. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts to discuss the pursuits of hunting turkeys, bears, and whitetail, as well as the science behind their conservation. Join me and my co-host Kyle Plunkett every Wednesday and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. I'm uh, coming at you on location today in my truck on my lunch break. Knock out this outro. Uh, I got Mr. Ginger Bowhunter, who's actually sitting in my house recording this right now. How you doing over there, Mr. Jacob Myers? I'm doing well, Andrew. Doing well. Excited to kind of finish up and wrap up this series with Shane Parker and Paul Putera. Uh, again, uh, doing it a little different this week. Uh, I guess kind of like last week's as well, because I was in Montana last week. Now you're at the office and I'm here at the studio. So <laughs> anyways, we're yeah. kind of knocking this out. But uh, there's a lot to kind of talk about from uh, just kind of a, a series recap and also this kind of final fourth part episode uh, kind of recap as well for this episode. But anyways. Uh, Andrew, what's been like your overall take so far uh, with this series? We've had some awesome messages coming very recently with where guys have had the chance to finally listen to the last few episodes, uh, and the feedback's been pretty awesome. It's been pretty interesting some of the conversations seeing on social media. It is a really fun series. I'm glad that we sat down and did all this with with Shane. Uh, 
I think he alluded to in this last episode that he has all of his cameras this year actually set out in what he considers like buck bedding areas and buck core areas. And so it's going to be a little bit different data coming in uh, this season. So I'm, I'm actually really excited to see what that ends up bearing out uh, because I think with all these episodes, we were kind of looking more at general deer movement. And yeah, we were looking at a general buck movement uh, in... I don't know. I don't know what you would call it. Like, not not in like the bucks' core areas, not in their 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 daylight cores or their bedding areas. So I'm excited to see what all this data that we've looked at already, uh, how it compares to what he's going to find over the course of this coming season. But uh, what about you? No, man, this has been interesting. I mean, it's been really cool, especially it's one thing to hear somebody like Shane or anybody else we've had on talking about like any kind of study like this, whether it's GPS study, uh, which that's been most of the conversation we've ever had is around GPS study. So this is the first one we're in-depth on trail camera study. But having the charts really has kind of helped you know, with everybody, including us, have a visual aid of what we're looking at and, and kind of really be able to simplify some of the data so people can easily understand what's being looked at uh, instead of just like spouting it off on the podcast and then not really having a resource to go and kind of, you know, look over what's being discussed. So I'm really happy we've, you know, Shane put the time to, you know, build the charts out um, and, and kind of we were able to discuss those charts. So again, guys can go over to our social media page or all of our Patreon members have seen them as well. They're all over on our Patreon uh, page as well um and you can sit down and look at all the charts and kind of go through especially after you listen to the episodes go through and look at the individual charts maybe after you've done listen to them or even while you're listening to them for a second or third time and actually being able to look at the data while actually listening uh to what shane has to discuss because it's, it's really kind of fascinating what's been put out there and again the organization uh that shane has had with this two-year-long study almost going into th the third year currently so uh it's super super interesting again this the feedback's been pretty awesome just from you know we've had mixed feedback you know you had a lot of guys that reached out saying this is like super fascinating data uh, and then you've got other people that reach out like well you know none of that bears truth based off whatever other studies have been done out there and there's not been a ton of those comments but there's been a few and it's just interesting because uh, you know there, there's a ton of deer studies that have been done uh, using, uh, you know, data, po data points being like GPS collar data, which we talked about before. And I'm really interested, like Shane really wants to get his hands on one of those GPS collar data uh, studies and trying to see if there's anything that we can use from those studies uh, with some of the data that he's pulled uh, from this study and seeing if there's any kind of correlation, especially when we're talking regionality with some of this deer movement, you know, talking specifically in the Southeast. Um, so pretty excited about that and also maybe excited about getting Shane on some kind of GPS study, active study and implementing some uh, trail cameras, uh, a part of that study as well. Cause um, again, it's just super interesting. All the data points has been able been put together and, and looked at and uh, definitely has, you know, fired up some people on social media and kind of getting some interesting feedback coming in. Yeah. I'd be actually very curious to see what people end up seeing in their own areas. Cause one thing about this study is it is like a very like local study. This is done on about 800 acres uh, near where Shane lives. And so I'd be very curious to see how much of this is, you know, very applicable to his area, but you know, it might be different in other areas. And we've gotten a couple comments like that too. Uh, I saw a couple come in this morning on the, uh, the moon phase specifically where people were saying like, Oh, well the moon phase they're, that they're saying is the best is what I've, think is like the worst or whatever or or vice versa or the one that they're saying is the worst is usually my best moon phase and uh 
So I just, I'd be, I'd be interested to see how the data bears out for other people. And uh, if other people can, you know, do similar stuff in their areas, maybe not at the scale that Shane did it, but, you know, kind of do their own little study and, and have like a method of how they do it uh, and, and see what they come up with. That'd just be, it'd be fun to see, I think. Uh, and the moon stuff too, man. That, here, <laughs> again, this is where, this is where the moon stuff kind of, kind of changes like fall short for me a little bit like the when it comes to the moon phase you know michael and shane and everyone they were talking about it and they're fired up about it and they're like okay this moon phase is the one that i always see as being like the best moon phase like when you get that this moon phase at this time of day or whatever or this overhead or this underfoot uh it's really really good and then you'll have other people who are like well i've seen the exact opposite of that and i'm like okay why is that like that that's a big question mark in my head. Um, it could be that maybe like Michael and Shane, they got their cameras out or they're hunting in different areas than those other people might hunting. So, you know, it's like one moon phase might be good for, for one kind of spot and one moon phase might be better for another kind of spot. Um, just, just spitballing. Like I really don't know, but I think that one thing about the GPS studies when it comes to moon phase, I don't think that uh, moon phase has really been totally explored when it comes to all the GPS studies out there. Uh, I, th I think there's still a lot to learn about it. But one thing they have seen is that they don't, the deer don't really cover any more ground, I believe, uh, unless there's a study I'm not aware of. But the deer aren't covering like a longer distance based on moon phase. They still move the same amount, but it's like what times a day are they moving? Uh, you know, what kinds of areas are they moving in? I'd be really curious to kind of stack a couple of those different factors against each other and just see what, see what came out of it. Yeah. And we actually have a uh, episode coming out, um, hopefully next few weeks that's going to go into this topic in much greater detail with somebody who's, you know, truly spent, you know, a large majority of his life trying to, you know, study this uh, discussion, which is again, really interesting. Um, and, and, you know, also I'll, I'll make this comment as well, you know, because you mentioned like, you know, you kind of, everybody kind of go out there and do their own study with some trail cameras. I don't think you can learn, you can, you can learn something by running four or five, 10 trail cameras, but the extent that Shane has done is very different from the average guy running 10 trail cameras on his, you know, 300 acre form or 500 acre form or whatever, uh, or a thousand acre lease, um, and, and that's one thing I'll say right here that is just an interesting factor is like, yeah, if you're running five or six trail cameras, you may not see some of the data uh, that maybe be that might be found in a GPS collar study or even like I say, like Shane's. Um, but again, I think the more and more coverage you have, that's kind of where you really see like the application of something like what Shane's doing kind of come to fruition and, and really come to light as in something that's, you know, an interesting, you know, point of data than just running, you know, a handful of cameras specifically. Um, so, you know, I'll say that as well, because I did see some uh, see uh, some comments specifically like, well, you know, I've done my own little study and I didn't see that to be a fact. And, you know, my question would be, you know, where was your cameras located at? Like, what were you focusing, you know, camera locations at? Are they on bait sites on private land? Um, are they in specific travel corridors, primary scrapes, hub scrapes? Um, you know, just what that may would look like. And then also, you know, based off your own understanding, like if you're hunting, um, you know, it, it's very easy. And you notice this, like when you hunt out West Andrew, but you know, d you might hunt in one spot and your buddy could be 200 yards from you. Your buddy sees 12 deer and then you don't see a single deer. 
that happened to us last year uh, on a piece of public land. I shot one of my bucks last year in Alabama where I sat in one spot and one morning or one afternoon saw, or one, sorry, one morning saw like nine deer. And another guy that was with our group was literally 250 yards in the direction the deer were coming from. And he never saw a single deer the whole day. Um, and it was unbelievable. Exactly. Uh, it was unbelievable rut activity for what I saw, but he didn't see any activity period. And that's the issue that you really kind of have when anybody says like, I visually have seen better activity any one day, you're getting such a small sample size of what's happening out there. You may just be in that spot where it's really happening, or you may just be 200 yards away from where the activity is really happening at. And then you think the woods are dead, but really they're, you know, chasing their brains out just 250 yards from you. You just can't see or hear them. Yeah. And if you were sitting over there, that would have been the best hunt of the whole year for you, you know? And it, and it was for me in Alabama because I killed a freaking five and a half year old buck, dude. Uh, you know, ch- with a couple other bucks chasing this doe, dude. It was crazy. And again, the guy that was with us that was just farther down, you know, the train feature from me, like 250 yards, did not see a single buck. And we're texting in the groups and everything. And uh, I'm telling like all these deer I'm seeing, he's not seeing anything. Um, so that that's this is where I like to really kind of put it. Like when you anyone gives like their specific opinion, even us, like I've seen this happen on these conditions again it's a very small sample size versus when you're getting potentially with you know data from a gps caller study or also like an in-depth trail cam study like what shane's doing um to me like something like that holds a lot of weight over than just like a, a personal observation which again you know personal observations is what fine tunes your hunting style and what guys do in the woods it fine tunes you know, all of our guests that we've had on the podcast is what they personally have seen and dealt with as what makes them the, the hunter they are today, for sure. Uh, but again, it, it's just really interesting. Again, just a factor like that. I mean, you could be 200 yards off that X spot, and it may be a terrible rut for you, but you might just not be in the right spot that those bucks are chasing those does right then, right now. Um, so, um, you know, it, it's, again, just yeah. super interesting. Yeah, and you made a really good point, too. I. What I, what I was trying to get at earlier is I think that moon data might be different for the guy who's sitting on a corn feeder versus the guy who's sitting in some kind of thicket somewhere. Uh, I, I think that they might see different things based on the moon. Uh, I, I'm still not I, – I don't really go one way or another on the moon. I'm not going to say that it has nothing to do with anything. I'm also not going to say that it influences anything because uh, I just – I really don't know, but – if the moon does have an influence on deer movement and and when they move, I do feel like there would be a difference based on your location. I think a different overhead or underfoot or phase or whatever is going to produce something different for the guy hunting a bait pile versus the guy who's you know tied to bedding you know somewhere you know amongst where the deer are hanging out. Uh, so I don't know. We'll get into it in greater detail, you know, in a future episode. Yeah, and Shane actually uh, brought up a point in, I think it was either the first part episode or the second part episode, about just based off in his area and kind of where he's run cameras, he's kind of come up with an equation that roughly, uh, I think it was like 600 acres or something like that, like deer are only going to use roughly a third of that um, or two-thirds of that. There, there's there going to be a, por- a large portion of it that you're going to have a ton of deer activity or very, very few observations of deer actually going through those areas, specifically during daylight. Um, so it has no focus on, you know, where you need to be hunting if you're going to try to catch deer during daylight. Yeah, at night you may have deer in those areas, but that doesn't really help you as a whitetail hunter. Um, you know, you try to look for the daylight activity. So, you know, if that's the case where, you know, 
you know, a deer may only use like a third or, or two thirds of like that overall habitat based off what the habitat looks like, you know, during daylight. That is something that you really got to take in consideration as well as, you know, where you're hunting based off, you know, where that sign may be and where those deer feel super comfortable moving, which sounds super basic. I mean, a lot of our guests have talked about that previously in the past. Like, you got to be where the deer want to be, not where you want the deer to be. Um, but, again, it, it's just kind of interesting based off what he's finding on, uh, you know, tr- this trail cam study that there are certain areas that are producing more daylight activity than other areas um, based off, you know, cover location, you know, food source, water source, security, like the security cover, everything's playing a factor there. Uh, and that really needs to, you know, be something that I think is a big takeaway for all of us. Again, something we, we probably kind of all knew subconsciously, like, yeah, like they need to have all those features, but it's something that really when you're going in and scouting a spot or hunting a spot, like does that area have those factors in order to equal daylight movement from a buck? Um, and again, sometimes it's not always, it's not a for sure thing because again, sometimes, you know, you hear guys killing huge bucks, you know, in wide open hardwood, on a wide open hardwood ridge or a wide open pine ridge away from any security cover, just doing his thing. And that can happen. And again, there's no necessarily absolutes when it comes to whitetails, but, um, it was kind of interesting factor that Shane brought up early on in this series that again, you know, there are, you know, parts of that landscape you're looking at. Um, and he's got an equation. I can't, I can't remember if it's a quarter or a fourth, uh, of that cover that they're not going to use during daylight. Like there's not going to be there. Um, and it really kind of simplifies, like once you understand what that you're looking for, kind of simplifies, you know, where to actually look for deer and not where not to waste your time per se. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, man, this is a, this is a fun series. Um, I'm excited to kind of keep rolling through deer season though. Uh, we're here right here at early October. Uh, Jacob, do you have anything else on the series? Because I got something else I kind of want to jump into. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, it's just a lot of interesting data points. I'd love to get get, get people's feedback from it. Uh, I, I'm kind of looking at this series as something like it's not 100% applicable wherever you're living at. It's just an interesting data that Shane has been able to produce over you know two, two plus years of looking at this data um, to give us something to kind of not only talk about, but also something to, you know, think about while we're hunting. Um, you know, he's an area, I've had a couple guys that made a post or made comments like, well, that can't be Alabama because he's talking about hunting in November. Well, Alabama, I think has five defined ruts, I believe four or five defined ruts yeah. based off state biologists. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's in one of those areas that has that earlier November rut specifically. So again, if you're in one of these areas of Alabama or, or Georgia or Mississippi that has like that December rut or even later into, you know, January, then again, that's kind of a sliding scale potentially for your area of what you may see activity-wise. Uh, and again, none of this is 100% for sure. It's not like you're necessarily going to use any one of these data points to go out there and be successful, but like the dew point was really interesting content. Um, it was interesting how he was kind of seeing daylight movement based off wind direction in some of these areas. Um, and again, spike of you know daylight movement with bucks with very specific wind directions. Um, and one thing that he mentioned later in, it's actually in this uh, fourth episode, this final part of the series, uh, Shane mentions again about, you know, this buck travel and how much these draws and drainages and steep faces in his area play such a factor for where he's going to find these bucks with trail camera in like these defined travel patterns and corridors that these bucks are using, using these micro terrain features, these micro drainages that you almost can't even see on a topo map. Then uh, they're using those for travel, going up and down in elevation and side hilling. Um, and he, you know, we actually had him on. Shane was on uh, our last month's Patreon uh, uh, meeting, uh, video meeting, 
which was excellent. Had a, a handful of uh, listeners and Patreon members on there, and it was really cool to do a Q&A with Shane. And Shane talks about, like, hey, if you're going to be running trail cameras, if he was starting anywhere fresh, uh, you know, he'd be looking for those drainages on a property. Like, again, not so much necessarily running cameras down the bottoms, but again, focusing on those drainages off these little ridges. Uh, or if you're in flatland, you know, focus around, you know, the creek itself and try to find creek crossings and then backtrack from there. Um, and again, this is interesting, him putting all that stuff together and really not only getting some interesting data for the study but also getting some really valuable knowledge that he can then apply for all these future seasons and kind of build upon it too houndstooth game calls is your home for turkey calls this spring go check them out they got all the classic turkey calls you know they got the pot calls and the box calls and the mouth calls but they also got a couple really interesting calls one of them is called the the success call and you just need to go look it up it's very it's like a box call that you can work with one hand it's really really cool sounds incredible they also got the spur master which is another very unique call that you can get some really unique clean tones out of they're going to help you out this turkey season use the promo code sop 20 to get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls. That's SOP24. Use it at checkout. It helps the podcast. True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981 and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock Choke and it's to improve your shotgun performance. Absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And, uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So, Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've, always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at uh, 30 and 50, and then I switched to the True Lock and changed from 30 to 50. And the 50-yard pattern on my gun with the True Lock choke is unbelievable like everybody's jaws were dropping like when we were out there with mike and sam we were all super impressed i mean it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke and andrew you're shooting the precision hunter choke from true lock it's a great option same chokes i have in my shotgun so guys if you want to give true lock a shot this spring you can head over to truelockchokes.com that's t-r-u L-O-C-K chokes.com. You can also use the promo code Southern at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order. Again, give TrueLock a shot this spring, especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun and shoot with a more deadly pattern with TrueLock. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you mentioned something there too, the dew point. That, that might be one of the highlights of this whole series for me was the dew point discussion just because it's something that I had absolutely never considered, but it makes perfect sense when you think about it uh so i i, I think we're going to probably revisit that one in the future that, that's going to be something that we're going to look a little bit deeper into probably with some more folks and uh and try to get to the bottom of that see if there's anything to that but yeah man, it was very very exciting series very fun series uh kind of one thing that that we're rolling into here on this friday edition of the southern outdoorsman podcast is uh, as this episode, as we're recording this episode, uh, Hurricane, what what is this hurricane called? Is it Ian? Ian, I think. Okay. Uh, well, the hurricane is uh, hours from landfall right now in, uh, I guess, the Tampa area. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday. And uh, 
by the time this drops, that hurricane's going to be, you know, well inland. It's going to be throwing rain all over Florida and Georgia, heading towards the Carolinas, it looks like now. Uh, so first and foremost, just want to say everybody stay safe out there. Make sure you got your, your provisions and all that in case there's lots of power outages. They're saying it's probably going to be a bad one. So our thoughts and prayers are definitely with everybody uh, in this path of this storm. Uh, but for those of us on the outskirts of this storm, uh, this just kind of raises an interesting subject, which is, you know, deer hunting around major storm fronts. Uh, and Georgia is already open. Uh, I, I believe Florida is open. Um, and I believe South Carolina is open as well. So I think all three of those states are, are currently open and, and deer hunting right now. Uh, we're getting ready to go on a Georgia hunt, actually. Um, and uh, I just, I just kind of want to go over like a, like a big storm front kind of hunt scenario um and, and i especially want to get your thoughts on it jacob because you know you killed your a velvet buck a couple of years back in, basically in a hurricane uh so what what are your thoughts on on major storm systems and kind of hunting not only the front end but also the back end or maybe even during it when it when it's safe obviously uh, but but what are, what are your thoughts on that i mean well i would say i wish we had michael pike on here because he's got a ton of thoughts on this per- specifically uh that 2020 velvet hunt um the, he saw tremendous deer feeding movement uh the the two the two to three days before that uh, hurricane had hit um and was like kind of watching like i forgot what he said i think he was watching bronc pressure and everything and there was there was changes happening um even though it was still you know fairly bluebird skies and deer were feeding super super heavy all the way up to the that that storm had hit um and then they kind of hunkered down, and every time we had a band of you know, of, uh, you know rain come through, uh, like the last couple bands of the hurricane, deer would be out feeding. Um, and, again, shot my deer actually standing out there in waders and a rain jacket through that last band of rain, and then right when that rain stopped, that's when the bucks popped back out and was able to you know, kill a really nice deer. Um, I think, I th- Andrew, you may be aware of this. I know – uh, Michael was telling me about it. I think it was Dr. Grant Woods uh, when he was in at Clemson, I believe. If, if I'm, hopefully, I'm speaking. Uh, yeah, I think you're on track. Yeah, and he was doing a study, some kind of deer. I don't know. It was one of these studies, one of these whitetail the GPS collar studies, and he elected to stay during some hurricane when he was there and saw like exponential movement, specifically before the storm had hit, uh, and even like a, a a very large movement after the storm had left. Uh, when it came to like feeding and like just crazy movement. And I, I know Pike, Pike had talked to me about that quite a bit. Um, and it's just really interesting based on what they saw through that study, which I'm sure that study is probably available somewhere that we probably could look up where they document that again, document like the, with the hurricane coming through, but just, you know, absolutely crazy movement, um, in and around that storm. Yeah, definitely. Also, I'm pretty sure that was a trail camera study and not a GPS study. I'm, I'm fairly certain it was it was a trail camera study, but uh, I don't know. People could probably look it up and find out for sure, but I'm almost certain it wasn't a GPS study. Uh, but yeah, you're right. He, uh, I remember him talking about that one time where he just saw a crazy amount of movement kind of around that hurricane. Um, can can you explain like the the bands of the hurricane that you were just mentioning? Like the, the bands of rain or whatever that were moving through? Uh, well, I mean, anyone that lives in the southeast that's familiar with hurricanes, you kind of know what I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, that hurricane is doing a, 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 a circular uh, motion and, and movement, uh, spinning, uh, I believe it is counterclockwise. Um, and as, like, you get farther from the eye of that storm, 
you have like bands of rain that literally looks like uh, spokes on a wheel kind of spinning around where it's not like continuous rain. It's like these big, long bands of rain that it'll rain super, super hard for, you know, it may be 20 minutes, it may be an hour, uh, and then it'll stop. It'll be like daylight and like sunny for a second for maybe a few minutes. And then there's another band of storms and it just kind of goes and goes and goes kind of in that motion. Um, and that's what we were dealing with and specifically during that time. We were, you know, not anywhere close to like the eye of the storm, but we were on the outer edge of it. Um, and when those bands were coming through, I mean, you could watch them on the radar and like we got out there right between two big bands of rain where again, it went from like crazy downpour. We had hunted it all morning to you know we run back into town try to go grab a bite to eat and then like we're leaving and it's like gets sunny again and like bright day bluebird sky sunny and we're like oh crap and we're, we looked on the radar right between two huge bands of rain that were probably i don't know 25 miles wide and ran back out there and when we get back out there there was already deer feeding um and then as we were packing stuff up the next band the last band was pushing through and that's when we kind of you know got all of our rain gear put together ran out there freaking got absolutely pounded by rain uh i mean you couldn't see 100 yards and then as soon as that again as soon as that rain band lifted and, and got past us got i mean literally within three minutes of it stopped raining it is bluebird that bluebird like sky bright sun temperature went back up like freaking 15 degrees and just you know hot and humid like a sauna and that's when those deer got back out and were feeding super heavy yep yep definitely cool stuff uh when it comes to these big storm fronts you know, we're about to, we're, I mean, we're about to experience this along with everybody else, you know, this, this hurricane coming through. Uh, it's not going to come as close to us as I, I, we originally thought that it would. Uh, so that might change some things. But, like, let's say your you're kind of weekend game plan for the hunt. You know, it's kind of rolling in pretty early. And uh, we're going to have, like, kind of a full day of, of the edges of that thing clipping us. Uh, what, would, what would your thoughts be on hunting that those kind of conditions you know are you going to try to get out during that rain are you going to try to get out after it uh are you going to try to get out before it just how do you like to approach that kind of situation oh again we talked you know we've talked a little bit about this you know my goal especially on this hunt specifically because we're gonna be there for a few days is like that very first day i'm not worried about going to climb a tree um I, i mean i may carry you know, the saddler stand with me, like in my backpack, but pretty much like boots on the ground, like covering distance, throw the rain jacket on and let's go look for sign. You know, more than likely probably wait until this, like one of the bigger bands of rain kind of pushes through. Um, and then wait maybe an hour or so afterwards and go try to cut some tracks, like drive roads, cut tracks. Cause again, everything that we're going to see sign wise is completely fresh, uh, because of all the rain they're going to be getting. Um, so you know, that's going to be super helpful just from, you know, sign cutting, but also, you know, kind of give you an idea of, uh, you know, what areas we may need to focus on based off where that sign kind of reappears quickly after that storm comes through. Uh, because the deer more than likely are going to be pretty locked down or, you know, shut down during that storm front. But uh, as soon as it starts breaking, they're going to be up moving around and that's going to be a great time to cut some sign and figure out, you know, where are those pockets, where are those pockets of those deer are at, especially you can try to cut some, you know, um, some bigger tracks, but also, you know, seeing if any scrapes are being opened back up or of course any new rubs pop up as well and kind of keying in all that, you know, as that storm front's kind of finally pushing through. Yeah, definitely. I really like storm fronts and deer season, actually. Um, this is something for like for years, it's been kind of one of my favorite times to hunt, whether it's early season, 
like we like we're in right now or even kind of later in the year when it gets really cold outside uh when you have like a good solid you know patch of rain come through a big thunderstorm or a hurricane like this and you're kind of catching the outer bands of that hurricane again you know don't go out there when it's unsafe obviously but uh when you can get out in these storms to kind of predict when they're going to end man that has traditionally been a excellent excellent time to hunt uh, especially if maybe you've already been hunting or you've been scouting a good bit, like let's our, our friends over in Georgia, like, you know, if you've been hunting for a couple weeks now and you've been out in the woods, you, you're kind of in tune with what's going on. And then all of a sudden you got this giant storm front coming through and you kind of know where these deer have been hanging out. Then you can look and let's say Saturday afternoon at two o'clock, this, uh, this, this rain front's gonna kind of pass through and you can get in there at like 1.30, 1.45 or whatever, just kind of get in there while it's still raining a little bit and go ahead and get in that really good spot and be ready when it breaks. That, that's that been really, really good for me over the years and it's been good for you too. So that's that's one reason I just wanted to bring that up because you know a lot of people are gonna be dealing with rain this weekend. So uh, I figured it'd be kind of a timely subject, especially for Everyone in, in Georgia, maybe Eastern Tennessee, parts of Alabama, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, they're all going to be dealing with some storms this weekend. So it can make for some really, really, really good hunting, in my opinion. Yeah, and just like that, say with Dr. Grant Woods, I mean, not only is there going to be you know movement at that storm front, but even multiple days before that storm front hits, like really right now, like right now, like again, too bad it's Wednesday and this stuff don't come out for a couple of days. Um would probably be the time you're going to see a, a lot more movement deer up on their feet they're feeding heavy before the storm comes in um especially as the pressure is yep. dropping um so that's something again that i know that was discussed about in that study specifically was before the hurricane hit you just i mean like deer the term i was told was deer running around like ants um you know feeding and again just moving around a ton right before the storm hits they locked down to the storm and then they were back at it after the storm but again i wouldn't just wait until after the storm especially like you're in south south carolina or even north carolina because north carolina is open too you know as that storm kind of goes up that east coast and kind of goes back into the atlantic you know still would be a really really interesting time again hunt you know those couple days before that storm front hits and see how that movement kind of spikes potentially, especially if you have trail cameras out there as well, and you can kind of get some real-world data uh, of what's kind of happening as that storm comes through. So, uh, again, don't don't overlook the, 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 the front end of the storm, too. You can get out there. And I'm not saying, like, an hour before the storm hits. I'm talking, you know, 36 hours before the storm hits uh, and focusing on that time frame. And that's something, again, if Michael Pike was on here, he would talk about that in, in great detail because he's a full believer in that, and he's seen it, you know, not only – and Oakley for himself, but also you know, like that study specifically when he was talking about it, that's what they were finding was, again, a ton of movement on the front end of that hurricane specifically. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for this Georgia hunt we got coming up, we actually, in a, in an episode coming out next week, we really kind of break down our, our plans or whatever for that. So we don't want to touch on it too much uh, right now, but I am excited for that hunt. Uh, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. Yeah. Um, as, as far as any other kind of updates that we have with ourselves, uh, I've been spending some time out on the lease or the club here lately, uh, the hunting club I joined earlier this summer, and uh, and just kind of looking around. And, uh, man, I've been finding some, like, some whip rubs. I've been some really nice whip rubs, too, you know. Uh, 
trees like ripped out of the ground, broken in half, you know, just little saplings, but still uh, really looking pretty encouraging. I've been finding some fresh scrapes, so I've thrown some cameras out there and uh, just patiently waiting for, for bow season to open, man. It, it's kind of funny. Everybody else is already hunting, you know, like Georgia, they've been hunting. North Carolina's been hunting. South Carolina's been hunting. You know, everybody's been hunting and we're still 15 plus days away here in Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you know, season's rocking and rolling in a lot of the other states and a lot of us Alabama guys and even Mississippi, well, Mississippi, they had the early velvet hunt, but, uh, you know, it, it's going to be on for us coming up, which is going to be a good kind of, uh, I guess, kind of way to get kicked off before we start hunting Alabama really hard coming up here. Uh, but hey, even this weekend, you know, there's certain portions of Alabama that's going to be open up on October 1st. So uh, I know, you know, we've got some listeners and some buddies that are going to be hunting quite hard, you know, starting this weekend, but really this weekend's what kicks off you know, majority of hunting across the country because you got so many states that open up October 1st, especially in the Midwest. Um, so about to get a, a whole bunch of hopefully listener success stories coming in too, where we got guys, again, going out using tips and tactics and strategies from the podcast uh, from whatever guests and, uh, you know, killing a deer using those uh, tips and strategies. And if you do that, make sure you message us. Make sure you give us some feedback. Uh, shoot us a message on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email uh, on our contact page on the website. And uh, let us know what's kind of helped you, because I'm I'm very excited to get some more listener success stories coming in. Again, we've had a couple uh, come in very recently that one of them killed an absolute slammer of a buck. I can't remember what state it was in. Uh, but again, super excited to get some more of those listener success stories coming in over the next few weeks. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Um, so yeah, y'all be sure to send those over. Uh, really, the only other thing I got is, Jacob, uh, you just spent a week tromping around in Montana behind Pepper. Uh hunting all kinds of grouse and other upland game uh jackrabbits too uh yeah get give the listeners just like a, a little taste of that trip and then tell them where they can go and and hear all about it if they're interested in, in upland stuff as well yeah absolutely so uh we'll do this a, a quick just touch on this and then i think we're going to do a little bonus episode about it plus you can hear more about this on the gun dog yourself podcast with our buddy nick adair um but Went to Montana, dude. You know, took Pepper. Pepper's my uh, my Deutsch Kurtzar, uh, which you know, otherwise known as a GSB, um, a German short hair pointer. And she did absolutely fantastic out in Montana. Uh, we were able to get our sage grouse, sharp tail grouse, and I was not able to kill a hun, uh, Hungarian partridge. But uh, the sh- the sage grouse was unbelievable. Killed one, uh, actually shot one over her over her point, and then shot one over Nick's dog um uh lucy or i'm sorry rachel um but it, dude, it was an unbelievable trip and all i can say this sage grouse is the coolest freaking bird dude it is like they are so big it's like a hen it's almost the size of a hen turkey like in all it is such a big bird um and uh it's cool because you can hunt with with pointing dogs out there in big sage grass flats they're hard to find it took us a week to find them but we finally found them and and got after it so you know if you want more details about that and some of the shenanigans from that trip because it was pretty wild and crazy um and just a, a really long trip but uh, again we're gonna have a bonus episode coming out here on patreon and apple subscribers talking a little bit about it from my perspective kind of with andrew and then uh for another perspective you can go over to the gun dot yourself podcast as well uh actually recording that here i think tonight with nick uh talking about and even some greater details specifically on some of the dog work uh that will be discussed so um super interesting again it was my first you know upland hunting trip period that we've ever done especially like out of state hunting trip for upland and uh dude it was an absolute blast i'm not gonna lie it is it was a really really good time and i'm excited to do another one uh here in the near future 
Yeah, definitely. I was jealous, man. Uh, y'all had a freaking heck of a trip. Uh, and yeah, listeners, y'all have to go tune into GDIY to hear all about that one. Uh, you won't regret it. Even if you're not a big bird hunter, just the, the shenanigans and the stuff they got into is pretty entertaining. So I, I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, also, when it comes to Patreon, we knocked out a couple videos last night for our Patreon members uh, uh, for the collaborator tier. Uh, the collaborator tier on Patreon is basically if you want us to to completely break down your property in detail uh, specifically for you, we will do that if you go join that tier. And uh, we knocked out two of them last night. And uh, man, it was fun. Uh, those are the first two that we've done, so we kind of got a feel for how it goes. And <laughs> one one of them was an hour long, the other one was an hour and a half. So, oh my gosh, <laughs> were, they that, got... were they that long for real? Yeah, man. Yeah, those those dudes got some bang for their buck for sure. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, dude. <laughs> they leave no stone unturned. So basically, the way that we do it is, uh, you go join the collaborator tier. And uh, you send us your property. You just say, hey, guys, here's the property. Here's a little bit about the place. Uh, and we'll go pull it up. And then me and Jacob scout it separately uh, on our map. So I'll go drop all my pins. Jacob will go drop all his pins. And then we come together in person and we do the video. Uh, me and Jacob sitting there together and we make a personalized video for you. So we say, you know, hey there, uh, appreciate you being a collaborator. Um, here's what we think. And we'll do a property overview. So we'll kind of talk about our thoughts on the property in general, as well as your neighbor's properties, because they absolutely influence your property. Um, Whether you're hunting, you know, a lease or your own land or or whatever you're hunting, uh, even public land. And we'll, uh, we'll kind of take a look at it and, and show you what, what we think of the whole neighborhood in general and the property and kind of how it sets up. And then we get a little bit more specific and we go through all the pins that we dropped. And of course we share those pins with you as well. Um, uh, one of the, one of the patrons who joined that tier, he's kind enough to actually let us post that video to all the patrons, So everybody can on everybody on Patreon can watch his property breakdown and kind of look at how we kind of step through that and walk through it and, and our thought process behind all the pins and and kind of how they relate to what some past guests have said and, and showed us. Uh, so really getting the inside scoop there. And that, that property is in Kentucky uh, for everybody wondering. So you can go hit up Patreon and view that. It'll be live by the time this outro drops. Um, if you'd like us to do that for your property, you can go check out that collaborator tier on our Patreon. Um, but yeah, man, hour, an hour and an hour and a half. <laughs> Those are some serious videos, dude. <laughs> some absolute gold too that's interesting i did not realize it was that long holy cow oh yeah oh yeah because we were supposed to do this outro yesterday and we had so much to do yesterday that we didn't finish those videos until like almost 10 o'clock <laughs> so so we just had to do this outro on the on the old lunch break today yep on the old lunch break well perfect well awesome yeah so super excited about um you know those two guys both john and kevin uh two of our first two creative tier um members on patreon and kind of doing this whole uh, map breakdown so again super excited to get their feedback and again the whole goal of this you know get them to become a listener success story uh not only from you know stuff from the podcast but also kind of breaking down some of those properties and again both properties look absolutely fantastic it's kind of interesting like because they're they're so different you know kevin's uh, kevin's property up in kentucky is absolutely just straight up you know i'm almost gonna say close to mountainous like it's pretty rugged terrain uh and then john's property is much more um 
kind of gentle hill country uh, with a lot more logging and everything kind of put in fact. And we found some awesome spots on both properties that, you know, get me super excited. So uh, it's going to be yeah. super cool to kind of get some feedback from those guys, especially, you know, Kevin up in Kentucky, you know, that season's already in. He can go out there and start implementing some of that. And then John, you know, his part of Alabama, uh, that won't be open until October 15th, but again, has a lot of really interesting breakdowns for that property as well. So yeah. again, super excited about it. Appreciate everybody's support on Patreon. And again, if you're interested in, like Andrew said, you know, joining that tier, that creative tier, or creators tier, not creative, creators tier. Uh, no, collaborator. Collaborator. Look what I'm doing, dude. Come on now. You, Golly. You, you got to step it you up. rookie. You got to step it up and give me some <laughs> feedback here. You waited too long for me to, you know, kind of botch what, what a rookie. Collaborator. Yeah, I let tier. you say it wrong two or three times. Yeah, well, that, you know, that's, it's bad. Uh, but anyways, just super <laughs> excited about anyone else that would be interested in looking at that. So, you know, hit us up. Let us know what, what kind of questions you have. We'll jump on a phone call, discuss everything, and, and get everything rocking and rolling. So, uh, Andrew, got anything yep. else for this week's outro of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast? No, I'm just uh, excited for people to go check that out. It was, it was really fun for us to do those maps. It was, it was actually a blast uh, getting to break down that stuff and, and kind of share the excitement with the listener, hopefully. You know, there was a couple spots on both properties that me and you, Jacob, both got really excited about. And we end every video by asking each other, hey, if you were going to go hunt one spot, what, which spot would it be if you were going to go there tomorrow and hunt? Uh, and so that's always like a real fun part of the video and, and, you know, hopefully get, get you guys fired up as well to go out there and check it out and hopefully have some success there. Yep. Perfect. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Well, we appreciate everybody's feedback. We appreciate everybody that's been listening to this series with Shane, uh, Parker and Paul Putera. Uh, it's been an absolute blast. It's been a blast having old Michael Pike back on the podcast, the old Dilla himself, uh, which, uh, if you listen to any of our episodes from last year, of course you heard the old Dilla on there. Um, but, uh, anyway, super excited about some other future episodes we've got coming out for you guys over the next few weeks. So stay tuned. And again, if you've enjoyed the podcast, make sure you share the show and share some episodes with some of your buddies. And if you're an Apple, uh, user or, uh, Apple podcast listener, uh, whatever they call it, iTunes, uh, you head over there, leave us a five-star written review. Let us know what you like about the show and also any potential new discussions guests or topics you'd want to hear us discuss on the show leave those in the review as well and uh, we'll make sure we try to read some of those out as they come in so we're about to break uh, hopefully a thousand uh, downloads hopefully the next couple months or so we're sitting at about 940 right now um, so uh, love to see some more of those reviews come in and kind of give us some more feedback on the podcast but other than that guys we'll have to catch you back here on next Monday's episode of the Southern Outdoorsman podcast it won't be part of this series guys but it's gonna episode you're not gonna want to miss especially when we're talking about you know having success in october so don't miss monday's episode we'll catch you back here uh, on monday with the next episode of the southern outdoorsman podcast Look, last summer, y'all heard us talk a bunch about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It was an incredible event. A bunch of you guys came out to meet us. We got to talk to, I don't even know how many listeners. If you heard all that last year and you were like, dang, that sounded cool, I should have went to that. Here's your chance. You need to make it to this one. It's June 28th through June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. All right, giving you a heads up here, so go ahead and mark it on your calendar. June 28th through June 30th, Dalton, Georgia is going to be the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. We're going to be there. A bunch of our past podcast guests are going to be there. There's going to be seminars. All of the mobile hunting companies are going to be there for you to try out gear before you buy it. It's like the one event of the year where all of the 
the like the mobile hunter ecosystem just kind of congregates in one place. And Chris and Josh and the guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job putting this thing together over the last couple years. And it keeps getting better every year. So like I said, make sure you come see us. We're going to have a gigantic stack of free stickers to give away to every listener that stops by the booth. And we're going to have merch there to purchase. We're going to be recording podcasts, shooting videos, all kinds of stuff. So like I said, don't miss it. You can head on over to the mobilehuntersexpo.com to look at show schedules and dates and go ahead and grab your tickets. So y'all go check it out at the mobilehuntersexpo.com. 